The value of collecting and sharing flight data and a new NBAA resource to assist with using that data to create a safer flight operation. From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan, brought to you by Varion. I'm Rob Finfrock with your trusted source for the very latest business aviation news and information. Flight data monitoring, or FDM, is an important tool to help identify potential safety risks before they develop into more serious issues. FDM isn't new in business aviation, but there are still many questions out there about how it works, what equipment is needed, and what it brings to your flight operation. I'm a huge advocate for having flight data management or flight operations quality assurance, which is FOQA. Maria Kelly is Vice President of Safety and DER at Jet Access Aviation. Essentially, it's the proactive use of having the digital flight data from routine operations in order to improve safety. It's taking a look and reading the the black boxes or the flight data recorders or quick access recorders from the airplanes. It actually has a ton of value in the maintenance aspect and operations aspect of the business. And it's also an integrated part of your safety management system to identify and manage risks that are occurring. In order to fix a problem, you need to know about it. And so what flight data monitoring does is it takes some of that qualitative data and puts it into a reliable form so you can extrapolate the information of what's going on in your fleet. My second guest today is Frank Raymond, safety director for a Seattle-based Part 91 operator. Maria has a really great overview. She mentioned aggregate data and looking at what's happening to the fleet and looking at trends. And so it's really important that I think people recognize that these safety programs are intended to look at aggregate and we're not looking at individual pilot surveillance. And so I think that's something that, you know, Maria didn't mention that we're using it for pilot surveillance and that's because we're not. And so I think it's very important that people recognize that. As far as who has access to it, that can vary. Each company should sit down with their operation, with their maintenance, with their pilot groups, with their uh, management groups, and develop their own individual process and, and access levels to that data. As Maria said, if we don't know that there's a problem, we can't fix it. So you need to share the data to the appropriate people But I think that there can be variations in each department. So what may work for operator A may not work for operator B for a myriad of reasons. So I think it's important for each operator to sit down and say, okay, what's our goal? Um, You know, maybe we start by looking at just the flight operations side and add maintenance later or vice versa. Maybe there's a maintenance issue that's driving the need. And so we're going to figure out how we, we get that data to the maintenance team first, and then we add the pilot group later. So I think there's a couple different ways that you can approach that. I definitely agree with that statement, Frank. I know when looking at cost benefits, if you have a flight data management program, it can help with your preventative maintenance. If you saw something on your focal program that said, hey, this engine is not performing as efficiently as it has been performing over the last X amount of cycles or X amount of hours, we might have had fog ingestion at this particular airfield on this particular day and maybe get your maintenance team involved. So that is preventative maintenance rather than end up flying somewhere and have engine failure as well as reduced repair costs. If you've only got a couple of fan blades that are damaged as part of that inspection, that's a lot cheaper than having to replace an entire engine. 
as well as the overall prevention of an aircraft being flown, like in an unairworthy condition, engine life extension with larger aircraft. I mean, even smaller aircraft too, just the reduction of tail scrapes or wingtip contact with the ground, as well as having manageable data-driven reports for hard landings or exceedances on airframe limitations or flatter slap limitations, you know, break and tire wear, ultimately reducing your flight delays and cancellations. Nobody wants to have a phone call that we've had engine failure. Nobody wants to have a phone call that says, hey, we need to cancel this flight because of maintenance. So ultimately, it is in aggregate with the data, just the preventative cost benefits of, of FOCO are huge. Those are great examples of how FDM and FOQA can help in your day-to-day operations, in addition to promoting safety. And Frank, there's another part to collecting and monitoring safety data. Please tell us about narrative safety reporting, like the FAA's Aviation Safety Action Program. That's where I got into safety, was working with ASAP. And so how we do that, again, it varies, you know, working with NBAA and the safety committee, we've got everything from single pilot, single aircraft operations to multi-aircraft operators. And so it can be everything from a a simple Word document that somebody fills out and and emails to the safety person, or it can be a robust online uh, SMS tool. So there's a lot of different ways that we can get that information. And the key is to make it as easy for the reporter to complete the report. I've found that the more the more steps a person has to go through to submit the report, the less likely they are to, to do it. And so the easier we can make it uh, for folks to fill out those safety reports, the better. And so just like with FDM, we may be looking at individual events, but we're also looking at trend events. If we see a increased number of TCAS reports at a particular airport or a particular approach, that may lead us down one path, or it could be a single event that is significant enough that we want to take a look at it and take some corrective action. So there's a lot of different ways that you can use those narrative reports. If you don't have a fully implemented SMS system and you're only doing it through Word, I think a really important aspect of having these safety reports is the taxonomy. And you can do that different ways. You can take all of the reports that you have, put them in one huge Word document, and put them in one of those Word clouds. So if you're in one of those Word clouds and you see the word failure or you see the word engine a lot, that means, you know, that might be a really good indicator that you may have issues within aspects of your maintenance department. So it might not be an operations issue, even though the report is coming from operations, that could help improve efficiencies in your maintenance department. If you do have a pretty robust or fully implemented SMS, there are a lot of companies out there that specialize in this particular thing that will do that taxonomy for you. And they can separate and sort your reports by the type of events that you're looking at. So if I want to run a report on how many safety reports do I have that include the word hard landings on it, I can search for hard landings. If I would like to look for unstabilized approaches and unstabilized approach criteria, I can type in unstabilized approach and it will give me every single report and all those outputs. If I want to see the top 10 risks for our organization or the top 10 flight hazards or maintenance hazards that are occurring within these safety reports, I will be able to pull them so we can take action on them. Because knowing the data and knowing your top, you know, your top five or top 10 risks is one thing just to bring system awareness. But being able to quantify or qualify 
what type of data you're receiving will help you make changes or improvements to your policies or your procedures or work practices in order to reduce that number in the coming years. Coming up, a newly developed NBAA resource to answer operators' questions about safety data sharing and to help guide them on developing an effective FDM program. But first, a word from our sponsor. Take your aviation operations to new heights. Introducing Baryon, formerly known as ATP, your ultimate partner in achieving maximum aircraft uptime. At Baryon, we understand the challenges faced by everyone in aviation. Our industry-leading technology solutions revolutionize aircraft management, so there's no more waiting, no more wondering, and no more wasted effort. Get real-time visibility of your maintenance, inventory, operations, and regulatory data right at your fingertips with an easy-to-use system, backed by a team of experts with deep aviation knowledge offering 24-7, 365 support. After 50 years in the business, we have built a growing reputation for getting our customers more aircraft uptime. That's why thousands of aircraft operators worldwide have already discovered the power of Varion. Say goodbye to downtime and hello to increased efficiency and profitability. Visit Varion.com to learn more. Varion, let's get you more uptime. We're back with Maria Kelly and Frank Raymond and our discussion about the value of collecting and sharing safety data. I'd like to now welcome Jeff Middleman to the conversation. He's the founder of Middleman Aviation Solutions and, like Frank and Maria, a member of NBAA Safety Committee. If your organization has both FDM and narrative safety reports, they can be used together. The, the FDM can tell, you, can tell you what happened, and the narrative safety report might tell you why it happened for the same event. It's a very powerful combination if you can, if you can merge them together on the same, same issue or same event. Also, both the narrative safety reports and FDM can help focus your training. The MBAA Safety Committee put together a web page for safety data collection analysis and sharing. And as a, as a high-level summary, is it is what is safety data collection and sharing? Why should you participate? What are the benefits? And then how to get started. So there's a whole bunch of tools here uh, explaining more of what we just talked about already, about what are what is FDM, what is narrative safety reports. And then it talks about the benefits of uh, participating in them, how to get started. It includes case studies for both FDM and narrative safety reports. It talks about myths and facts about this. And then there's a whole bunch of resources. There's regulatory resources. There's resources on narrative safety reports on, on FDM and uh, all, the, all kinds of things you can look up and including organizations you can talk to about helping you participate in, in these kind of uh, safety data collection sharing programs. And that resource is available at nbaa.org forward slash data sharing. Jeff, what risks might flight operations expose themselves to if they aren't collecting and disseminating safety data? Well, this is an interesting one. and I'm not sure everybody understands this. There are some organizations that think collecting the data becomes a liability. And it's really the opposite of that. The greater greater risk is not having these programs, not participating in these programs. They can result in increased financial and reputation business liability. If, if you don't participate in a program, it might be used as evidence against you that you're not putting forth good faith efforts to proactively manage your safety program. And I, this is really important that people understand this. And, and this kind of information actually comes from 
aviation attorneys that have dealt with these issues directly. Jeff gave a great summary. The one thing that I would say is that with ADSB and liveatc.net, the data is out there. You know, so whether you want to let a YouTuber analyze your data and tell you how you did and put it on YouTube, or do you want to look at your own data and and correct issues before you get to the YouTube? You know, I, I went flying just last week and I left my my GPS receiver at home and I went home and I, I downloaded my flight data from the web and I did my own debrief. And so I didn't have the same fidelity as what I normally have, but it gave me a pretty good idea of what I was doing. You know, the myth that your data is going to be hacked or whatever word you want to use, I think is kind of uh, not accurate anymore because the data is out there. It is floating around in the cloud right now. So who do you want to have use it is my question. Great point, Frank. Maria? If you are a participant with ASAP or even MSAP for maintenance, there are MOUs that are signed with the FAA that dictate exactly how the information is used and how it is de-identified to protect the airmen as well as their license, even voluntary safety programs like VDRP that can protect your air carrier certificate as well. And a lot of that information is also protected from discovery by the FAA to take legal enforcement action against you. They're protected from FOIA, from PRD, and from PREA. And so if you are participating in these voluntary safety programs, it's not like your information is going to be hacked. There are regulations, agreements, memorandums of understanding in order to protect you with this data. And speaking of the misinformation that's out there about FDM and data sharing, Jeff, what are some common myths and how do you counter them? This is important because these myths often are are stopping organizations from participating in these activities. So I'll go through a few of the most common ones. So data collection sharing is really expensive. Think about the cost per hour to run a business jet. And then you think about the cost for data sharing. It's, it's pennies compared to the cost. What it often points to, it's a culture problem within the organization. If they think it's really expensive, it's a culture problem. They don't have the right safety culture. They don't have a just culture. So it's a big challenge to overcome with many organizations. Now, the other thing is there's, there's discounts by insurance companies for some of this in some cases. And as I think Maria pointed out earlier, it, you can get uh, more efficient flight operations and such using this kind of thing too. Another common one is some aircraft don't have the ability to collect FDM FOCO type information. They don't have a QAR on board. And they think it's very expensive to retrofit, especially for the older aircraft. And even some of the newer aircraft are not coming with its standard. That's crazy, but that's the way it is for some manufacturers. But there are some low-cost retrofit options out there. They're all approved, STC'd, everything else. And they're much, much cheaper, much lower cost than OEM solutions. So that's something people should look into. Another one here, sometimes small operators don't think they can generate enough data to be useful. That's absolutely false. I mean... Any data you get is very useful, and then if it's shared with other other operators in these data sharing kind of environments, you learn from other operators as well. So there's a great benefit for small operators as well about their own operation. Maria, what about myths or misinformation among flight crews about safety data collection and monitoring? One of the questions that I get pretty often is, why am I choosing to share my information you know, with management or leadership? Like, why am I telling on myself? Why would I fill out an ASAP report and tell the FAA that I voluntarily did something if that information is going to be used against me, which 
That is completely untrue. The, the purpose of having these voluntary safety reporting systems is that it's capturing safety data for the purpose of hazard identification and reducing your risk. And so with these programs, the FAA can't use the reports accepted under the program to take legal enforcement action against the certificate and that the company will not use the information obtained through ASAP to take disciplinary action against an employee outside of ASAP with exception of the big five. And that's the largest benefit of having ASAP is that all of the reports, they're confidential, anonymous, and non-punitive. The only people that have access to your name and information are, are your gatekeepers. And so it's not just like you file a report and then the report is shared with every member of leadership, management, individuals that you're flying with, fleet leads, however big or small your organization is. This information is designed to protect you. Your ASAP report protects you. My ASAP report protects me. Another good thing of having these programs is there is no limit to the number of reports that are being submitted if you do have an ASAP program. In theory, you can file an ASAP report for every leg you do. Uh, I hope that you don't. I hope that you don't have to or feel it is necessary to file an ASAP report for every leg that you do. But if you report it through the NASA reporting system, there is a limit to how many you can do per year. That's an important distinction between an ASAP report and NASA's broader aviation safety reporting system. Another tool is the FAA's Aviation Safety Information Analysis and Sharing Resource, or ASIAS. I think the sharing piece is extremely valuable. So even if you're a small organization that, you know, maybe doesn't generate enough data, if you have these programs and you are contributing through some of these affiliates, all of that data can become aggregate for different fleet types. And all of it is de-identified. So if I know that we are flying, you know, let's say a, a G200, but we only operate one G200, if I plug the information in or if I'm a contributor to a SIAS, I can go into that web page and I can search for data for all of the contributors to a SIAS on whatever these safety issues are that are surrounding the G200s, especially when it comes to performance or unstabilized approach criteria. Even being a contributor to the data helps improve safety for us all. And that's really the entire point of data sharing, right, Jeff? I think what Maria just said emphasized it, you know, that it's, it's de-identified, it's aggregated, you learn from everybody else. And in the ASIAS program, there's roughly 40 airlines providing data and roughly 150 corporate business operators providing data. And not only could they learn about their own category, uh, but the business operators can also look at the airline data and the airline operators can look at the business data. They do have common issues, and they do have common airports and such. And in addition to looking at systemic issues, they're trying to look at all these issues proactively. So they're trying to identify issues that are found in this aggregated data that are problems before they're really a known problem. So the data mining that they do can, can identify an issue before anybody really went out and provided reports. And there are plenty of examples of that. And the mitigations are put forth by various uh, committees in the industry and the FAA in many cases. Indeed. Frank? I'm a huge proponent of sharing the data with other organizations. You know, I'm a much smaller operator than Maria's operation, for example. And so the ability to kind of network, if you will, with other operators, whether it's an SMS provider or a safety foundation or the SIS program that's funded by the FAA, having access to those and being able to say, you know, gosh, I'm only flying several hundred hours of flights a year. 
so my my exposure is pretty low, so I'm maybe not generating a lot of FOCA data or a lot of safety narrative data. By participating in those other programs, it allows me to see what's happening to operators of like equipment or going into similar airports or that sort of thing. And so that helps me build my SMS because I, I don't have I don't have enough time to make all the mistakes myself. And so if I can learn from the mistakes of others and improve my operation before I make the mistake, that to me is a win. And we're also providing our data. So hopefully folks learn from us as well. So I think that's a, that's a huge thing that is sometimes overlooked when we're talking about safety data sharing is, is those programs and the benefit that you can get for usually for low cost. It doesn't cost a lot to do that. So, and then just to add on to what Maria was saying with the ASAP reporting, my previous position, I had the luxury. And in fact, that's where I met Maria was working with ASAP programs for a myriad of different operators. And I can tell you that, you know, the FAA, the the operator, the union representatives, everybody in those ERC meetings, the event review committee meetings are dedicated to safety. Um, it was very, very rare that we would find out who the individual was. And when we did, it oftentimes was we wanted to provide feedback or we had questions. And then that would be the employee group representative that was making that call. It wasn't management. It wasn't the FAA. And so it really, you know, we're really trying to break down those barriers of, yes, we still need to get the information. So we need to provide those avenues, but we're trying to make it kind of a more friendly approach than what maybe people have thought of in the past. And I'd also say that as these programs have become more commonplace, I think we're hearing, at least I'm hearing, fewer and fewer of these myths. You know, a lot of the barriers that were in place 10, 15, 20 years ago aren't quite as strong as they were. So I think we're making progress in in implementing these programs industry-wide. What advice would you have, Frank, for a flight operation looking to implement a data sharing program? Go do it. And I know that sounds silly, but the benefits are so great that I just don't understand why somebody wouldn't do it. The cost to enter these programs is dropping significantly as technology is advancing. Even if you have a less robust, if you want to call it that, data collection on your airplane, you know, just getting five or 10 parameters will give you information that is actionable. So you don't need to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to equip your airplane to get every parameter that the airplane is capable of recording. Airspeed, altitude, bank angle, a few other things. And you've got you've got data that is actionable that you can take to your, your pilot group, to your maintenance group and say, hey, we're identifying trends. I would also say reach out. You know, I've been in the safety side of this business for a very long time. And one of the things that I've always prided myself on and I've been proud of others is that when I'm having safety conversations, the barriers come down. You know, I may be a competitor when I worked at the airline. I would call my competitors safety departments all the time and say, hey, we're having this issue. What are you guys seeing? We weren't wearing our airline hat. We were wearing our safety hat and we shared information very openly. And I think that that's very true in business aviation as well, is there are so many people out here who are willing to have conversations, who are willing to provide guidance, willing to be a mentor. That's why we're here on this podcast, is that's that's the type of people that are in this industry. So if you have questions, there are resources available to help you answer those questions. So my advice is, if you don't have a program, pick one and start. And I'm happy to talk to anybody 
who is interested. I've got ideas on where to start and how to go and, and resources available. And I think the NBAA website that we're talking about today also has a plethora of options available. So, so just go do it. Just go do it. Maria, what would your advice be? I agree with Frank entirely. The only other things that I could add is if you are having difficulty, such as, you know, an entry into the game financially, so to speak, talk to your insurance group. You can get a performance vector. Having these uh, a flight data management program can also reduce some of your insurance premiums. And through these insurance companies, sometimes you are able to get lower rates or sometimes even free safety software to implement it for your organization. Of course, with industry affiliations, you know, with MBAA, NADA, Flight Safety Foundation, ACSF, and these other member organizations, having these affiliations can can help you into, into negotiating some of these rates as well. So if you are having difficulty, you know, starting a flight data management program or a FOCO program or an ASAP program or an MSAP program, if you reach out to these affiliations, there, there, there is some fiscal help that is out there that is available to your organization, especially if you're a small operation. And just like Frank, you're always welcome to reach out to me. I'm, I'm happy to talk with anyone about safety at any time. It's good to know that there is information out there to assist operators, Jeff, including NBAA's own resource. That's right. So much of what we talked about today is captured there, and there's a lot more material there. So again, if you need need help in, you know, what are these programs? Why should you get started with them and how to get started? It's all there for you. I can't really add too much more to what Maria and Frank have said, but I would like to end with one of my favorite quotes. It's from Richard Meikle with Flight Safety International. He was a former VP of safety for NetJets. Safety is expensive until you need it. Data without action is a liability. Action without direction is equally problematic. That is an excellent summary of why a comprehensive safety data collection, monitoring, and sharing program is so important. Once again, if your flight operation needs information about setting up such a program, check out NBAA's Safety Data Collection, Analysis, and Sharing resource at nbaa.org forward slash data sharing. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan episodes at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify or wherever you find your favorite podcasts, including by asking your virtual assistant or connected device. Of course, you can also download Flight Plan directly from nbaa.org. I'm Rob Finfrock. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for a new episode of Flight Plan. Flight Plan, sending out 3500. All right, we got him inside. We're still on 170.